Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Johnny Vajra with me. Johnny is a spiritual alchemist, an intimacy coach, and pleasure educator. He incorporates sacred sexuality, kink, and mindful meditation in his healing practices. Johnny is also a Reiki master, an energy worker, and a Theta healing practitioner. He is an Easter apprentice and graduate and uses all of his skills to bring inventive, grounding, and inspiring coaching to his clients. Johnny, can you please tell the listeners what brought you to this work? Uh, Well, thank you for having me, Becky. Uh, Yeah, what brought me to this work was my initial journey of um, starting off, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. And um, so that religion was very, is very Christian and very strict and devout as far as their teachings go. I learned a lot about the Bible. um, And then I also, in my experience, was introduced to uh, shame around sexuality and also feelings of guilt around my own self-worth and what pleasure looks like to me. So, um, so yeah, that culminated uh, eventually into me experiencing this in my relationships and not really getting what I want, not knowing how to ask for what I want. And then when I had what I thought I wanted, not learning how to appreciate it <laughs> and then move forward from into what it is that I need to cultivate good relationship. So yeah, that was essentially it. I stepped into this these realms of spiritual sexual alchemy uh, with ISTA, the International School of Temple Arts. I'm also doing my own healing and... Uh, yeah, and, and I, I experienced things that I never had experienced before that were all happening within me that were without drugs or any hallucinogens or anything outside of breath, sound, and movement. And when I experienced that and I addressed my anger and rage that was underlying beneath those feelings of self-worth or lack of self-worth and shame and guilt, then all of a sudden there was this space that opened up inside of me that was joy and pleasure and enjoyment and delight and all of these other aspects of me that I hadn't ever connected with. So when I felt that, then without even a sexual experience, this was breath, sound and movement, then it was like, whoa, this, this is happening. This can happen. I must learn more. And so <laughs> that's how I stepped in. What a beautiful journey. Ah, I love that. And I love the stages that you talk about, about realizing that you want something new and then you want something more and then you want something deeper and it just keeps on going on and on and on. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about how to release anger and to return to pleasure. So Johnny, can you just kick us off by telling the listeners a little bit about your thinking around releasing anger and returning to pleasure? Yeah. um, So when we think about pleasure, a lot of times we it's left out that we have to deal with the anger first if we want to open up to more pleasure. When we, um, when we think about pleasure, 
in the Western civilization, a lot of that has to do with sexuality and you know, touching our genitals. And there are a lot of other ways that we experience pleasure. We may not raise awareness to that. And so when we do raise awareness to those other ways that we are experiencing pleasure, which is joy, delight uh, of an experience, then that also allows us to tune deeper into what it is that may be blocking us from receiving more pleasure. And that usually comes up in the negative self-talk in our minds, that dialogue that says, you shouldn't do it this way, you're not good enough, or projects out and says, that person is too much, or that person is not enough, or that person's doing it this certain way. Um, and all of those things that we project out, usually they're a message for us within that we can address. And underneath that is some need for connection for love or or for compassion and so if on top of that is anger rage frustration then we got to get that out <laughs> so the way we do that is with emotional release techniques with breath sound movement and with a few other techniques that um, that I offer when I work with my clients mm -hmm. yeah because I think if we're ignoring the anger and ignoring everything underneath. We're just kind of putting pleasure as like a mask on top, but we can't fully be into it or fully feel the goodness from it without addressing the anger. And I'm imagining that if we don't deal with the anger first, that's when guilt and shame could set in because there's lots of stuff bubbling underneath. Absolutely, right. I mean, I've been in situations where you know, it, it's been unclear when in the past I had been in situations <laughs> <laughs> where I had stepped into a space of pleasure with someone and then we both, it was a mutual experience. It was great and a nice time. And then all of a sudden something was triggered and that trigger then switched the whole experience of pleasure into shame or guilt or this projection whether regardless of who the person was, but that was the experience. And that those bits that come up, those are what need to be addressed. Those are the body saying, hey, look, I still have this memory here and we've got to take care of this because I understand you want to get to that level of pleasure over there, but we got to address this first. And this is how I'm communicating to you that this is what needs to be addressed. And so that's those are our cues. They're really not, they're not a way we need to shame ourselves further because we've experienced yes. them. They're more of a, a, a way that we can say, hey body, what, what is it that we need right now? And then move into a deeper conversation of how we can either support ourselves or receive support in moving that and getting to that pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think where talking therapy doesn't work as well. It's talking therapy is what I mainly do. But with this type of stuff that's stored into the body, we need body work, we need breath, we need movement to release that. And I think in those situations, similarly to what you were just explaining, um, sometimes we might not know why we feel shame or we feel guilt or we get upset around the sexual experience. And I think we might not necessarily have to know what we do need to know is that we need to work with the body to release whatever is still underneath and pent up. 
Absolutely. Right. And I mean, a lot of this stuff, we can go into the ancestral and the DNA and I understand we have, we're short on time here, <laughs> but so that's for another conversation. And so when we just think about this human experience here within that first seven years of our life, I mean, even for one to four, actually, there is so much, our brainwave is in that theta state and it's where that conscious and the subconscious is so close where everything that we're taking in, even if it's not someone indirect or a direct dialogue, it's indirect, that is our body's way of learning how to survive. And so the brain is like in the prefrontal cortex isn't there yet. The, it's like, well, it's there, but it's, it's really not active. And all of the other elements are saying, hey, yo, I need food, I need touch, I need love and connection. And so how do I get this so that I can live? And there's trauma, there's other aspects that we're learning that then put us into this space when we go forward in life and they don't serve us anymore. That, you know, being able to, um, being coddled and being held and, and, you know, like a baby, it may still be something we need as an adult because we haven't fully graduated from that and been initiated into a space of being able to talk out what's going on, what the body's experiencing and fully communicate that into someone else's field of awareness. Mm -hmm. So emotional release, breath sound movement, um, hand screaming, there's pillow pounding, there's so many different things that they, we learned as kids that we just did. And at the same time, they were our body's natural way of moving this energy through us so that we could be current in the present state of being in joy. Joy is only experienced in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's made me think about children um, when they're throwing a tantrum and they're stamping their feet and they're clenching their hands. And now we get shamed if we do that as adults. Right. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do like, that. You're crazy, that one over there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the body's way of trying to get that stuff out of us. But because of society, we, we don't do that stuff. So I say often to clients, just shake. Maybe after a hard therapy session, put on your favorite song and shake the body and allow the body to do its healing as well. Absolutely. Right. This the breath, sound and movement going into that, this opening up the way that we, we look at animals. You know, I have a dog and my dog, when she's excited, she shakes and does her thing. Yes. When she's scared, she shakes and she, you know, does that thing. And we as humans, we, it's really simple. Um, it's, it's like, it's a, a our pelvis moves up and down. It holds all of our trauma. We need to move that pelvis and we need to breathe that energy, breathe up and breathe out and allow vibration to move any of the density through us. That's that breath, sound and movement. Breath being the vehicle that carries that sex energy, the root energy, the life energy from our pelvis, that sound being the vibration that has the ability to dissolve and dispel the energy. Also that creates dis ease or disease in our bodies mm. and making the sounds helps us to continue to breathe also it's like i'm making a sound ha ah, naturally 
I have to inhale as well before I make the next sound. So it's, it's all works in tandem. And then the movement, that's where the orgasm takes place. And that orgasm is orgasmic energy. It's not just orgasm in the penetrative sex way. It's, it can be done through dance. It can be done through being in yab yum, fully clothed with a partner. And it also can be very healing, alchemizing, and transformational. So if a listener is listening to this and they don't do any of this emotional release stuff, um, how frequently would you advise them to do it? Like something small every day or like a big thing once a week? What do you think? Every day. Every yeah. day. It's like brushing your teeth. I mean, it's <laughs> to a point where... It's like, do I need to do this? Well, I mean, if you don't want your breath to smell, then you probably <laughs> should do it. So it's like, it's, it's a way of hygiene. It's this, this spiritual, mental, emotional hygiene that's taking place when we do this every day. And I, it doesn't need to be done like a full yoga, you know, asana. It can be something where I, just, I say five minutes out of my day, five minutes, super simple. Um, and then once I've done that five minutes, or I can choose to breathe, I can choose to sound, I can choose to move ecstatically. That's so great. Pick my favorite song or two songs and then just shake and dance and move and play like nobody's watching or like everybody's watching if you're a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there and really, really get ecstatic in the body, feel everything, like raise the field of awareness to every disc in the spinal column into every joint into how the air expands my belly and my rib cage as I'm moving in these ways, all of that completely going within in that five minutes and then feeling silence, nothingness on the other side of it for one minute, two minutes and work your way up. Yeah, I think it's so important to have that break afterwards because if you do it and then you just immediately pick up your phone or go into the kitchen to make a sandwich, you are preventing the residue of the experience to kind of flow through the body. And I think that's one of the most beautiful aspects of it and such an important point that you made. Integration, absolutely. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's been a big thing in, in my ayahuasca plant medicine journeys um, in the past and other plant medicines. It's um, one of the pieces that I've noticed that is the most effective phase of transformation. It's not the going up and going into those orgasmic hallucinogenic DMT inducing states. It's what happens on the other side when my ego kicks back in, when the default mind kicks back in and boots back up then how do I take that experience and, and begin to work with those default patterns in my mind and create those shifts co consciously? That's that silence that gives me that space of awareness into what just happened and what is happening right now. And then where am I being, where am I being called to move? Where is, is energy moving me? Where is the unknown, the great mystery calling me to move next. Yeah, and 
I think I have about two different types of listeners who listen to this podcast. So I have the people who are in it for the spiritual aspect of sexuality. And then I have the people who are in it for more of the clinical aspect of sexology. And I just want to say that this stuff sounds woo woo, but there's, it's not. But it's not. <laughs> There's so much and it's not. <laughs> There's so much research and data backing up that this stuff works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joe Dispenza, he talks about all of the, you know, how to change your mind. And I've read a lot of his information and and I put it into practice. And there are others who also have done the the physical research. I know a, a pelvic floor therapist who she did her whole you know, doctorate in pelvic floor therapy. And then she realized that, um, yeah, it, this, that's not the end all be all. There's more to this. It's deeper than that. And it's really, if you choose, because that part doesn't have to matter. The real thing is what I've noticed because I have my own inner skeptic mm-hmm. is okay, yeah, this is, this is all woo-woo. I'm going to accept that I believe this is woo-woo and I'm going to give myself an opportunity and invite myself to play pretend that this can actually heal me and I'm going to do it. And then when I do it, that's going to give me the results that I need to prove or disprove whether this is woo-woo. I don't need anybody to tell me. I can tell myself on the other side of this experience. And that's what I invite everybody in all spaces to do ah i love what you just said so much i really love it and it's just about you know don't pass judgment give it a go and then see what you feel make up your own mind about it i think yeah profound profound point so why do you think pleasure is so important (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because pleasure is our birthright <laughs> it's a pathway to healing and our sexuality it's so intrinsic to our humanity so much so that without it we literally would cease to exist mm, yes yeah literally and it's like it's it's interesting to think about that and how pleasure regardless of whether who we think about god a higher power pleasure is within us and in that pleasure when we connect with it which the joy all of these emotional states they heighten our experience and open up that channel of sexual energy in us and when we are able to do that we're able to heal ourselves. We're able to heal other people, allow open up a space and a permission field for other people to heal themselves. And we're able to create literally in the most literal sense, we can create, we create babies. If we choose not to create a baby in this world, we create music, we create life. We're creating this podcast right now. All of that starts with that sexual energy and it goes up into the mind and its other aspects, which then flow out into the world as creativity. I love that you're using the word creativity because in the chakra system, sexuality and creativity both come from the same chakra. So they are both inextricably linked. That sexy chakra. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, as you mentioned earlier, there's other types of pleasure 
as well as sexuality. And I think when we all think about pleasure, we assume orgasm, we assume sex, but there are so many other things that we can get pleasure from. You know, I get pleasure from stroking my cat or sitting in the sun and having the sun on my face and tuning into the senses or even sometimes ignoring the senses and just being engulfed in a movie and being quite dissociated from my body. I can get pleasure from that as well. Absolutely. Right. Even Netflix and chilling, (laughs) you can get pleasure from that and really accept, excuse me, accept that, that that is pleasure. Also, I'm feeling enjoyment in this moment and it doesn't have to involve my genitals. And I think in, especially in the Western civilization where like, you know, oh, I'm getting pleasured. So I must be touching myself in my genital area. And the invitation is to shift our, our, our thoughts and our minds and awareness into what, where we're experiencing pleasure, because when we connect with that, then we're able to, to, to realize and recognize where we're sourcing our pleasure. And when we are in a space with a partner, if that's a new partner, if that's a partner that we've been with or partners, you know, in this day and age, um, being able to communicate to them what pleasure looks like for us is a win-win game for both of us because typically as a partner, I like to give pleasure. And also as a partner, I love to receive pleasure. And when I know what that looks like for me, it's less of a guessing game and there's less opportunity for the frustration to come in. There's more possibility for more pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) And that ultimately is the goal. That is the goal. It's hard because so many people feel guilt about experiencing pleasure and it is our birthright. I'm, I'm not really one of those people that feels guilt. Well, I'm not at all from experiencing pleasure, but so many other people are. What do you think that's about? Oh, well, coming from my background, I know what that's about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what I've researched, I, I've, I've read the Bible a couple of times over and, um, and I, I feel like it's a great book and that's for another time, another topic. And also um, what I recognize as someone who was raised in religion is that there was a lot of this, um, what I've, I've, I've real, I've, we've all seen um, is that shame and or sex and, and pleasure, pleasure being related to sex, they've all been kind of demonized, put on this side of duality between good and evil and, that and the only place that that comes out of the evil is when we're in this space of you know marriage some conventional marriage or arrangement of connection situation and so now that we've compartmentalized this way of being able to experience pleasure and sexuality for ourselves it's we've 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 chosen to a belief system to believe that anything else is wrong anything else is uncivilized <laughs> and um and the only way is this way that's been dictated to us or that has been communicated to us that we've chosen to believe 
So it's like rewriting the program because when we were little, when we were kids, I mean, you see little boys or girls that just like humping the ground and you <laughs> yes. know they're they're just doing these things that are like, whoa, what are they doing? What's going on? They're experiencing pleasure and it's completely unapologetic, yeah. unadulterated. And that's it. And when we get back to that space, that's where then we can come back into alignment with what actually, what is our construct of, you know, what's safe, what's secure, what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. And it's that story of find someone, procreate, have sex purely to procreate, but don't enjoy it, but make sure you do it and make sure it's penetration and penis and vagina and nothing else. And it's just that narrative going round and round, which is shifting a bit, but yeah, it's slow. See, right, I just finished the Handmaid's Tale catching up on that. So <laughs> very much seeing that is like, well, yeah, that's, that's a way that the world could be. And yes. even the people who signed up for that as a reality may not even be fully subscribed in it as the way towards true happiness, which is why it's such a big, huge responsibility for us to take our own power back and really find what it is that is true happiness for us. What is authentic to me? Not authentic to Becky, not authentic to Johnny Vajra. It's what is authentic to me? And then how do I, how do I start moving in alignment with that in the world? Yeah, it's beautiful. And I know that you sometimes work with kink and I'm wondering how people can use kink to battle their shame. So battle this guilt that we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, kink, uh, that has been, I've, I've been practicing probably for about two years now and delving into that realm and then adding it in as a form of uh, my offering you know, toward to my, my clients, this sexual spiritual alchemy offering. And uh, when I first was introduced to it, it was through my mentor, Lori Handlers and Om Rupani, and they had this workshop that was, is titled Tantra Meets BDSM. So I was stepping, I was in Tantra and experiencing that and learning more. And then I'm like, wait, there's a bridge here? BS, like, I don't, yeah. this is wild. Okay, fine, that whole, that whole concept to me, there was a uh, apprehension, there was my own shame and dialogue and inner talk around it. And then going back to the beginning of this podcast, when I said, uh, I had that conversation with my inner skeptic and said, hey, all right, we can call BS on this and let's give it a go. Let's give it a <laughs> shot and yes. try it out. And when I did, I experienced, there was this puja-like um experience of this humiliation play mm -hmm. where um, we were, uh, were called to find something that elicits or triggers shame or guilt within us that maybe somebody has said to us or that we've heard and that we feel an emotional charge about around. And then once we have that, make sure that there's a charge. It can't be something cheap that really doesn't even feel like anything. Make sure it has a charge. And then we go into this puja style and we say, um, we have the power to 
allow this person to say that prompt to us. So we tell them, give me my prompt. And they don't tell us that prompt until we command them. So then they give us the prompt. And then we, after we fully receive that, take that in and feel it, any feelings around it, then we say, thank you. And then they don't say that prompt again until we command them again. So it really gave me an opportunity to feel that, wow, I'm taking this power back because they're not gonna call it to me or they're not gonna tell me this and call me what was dirty little boy at the time. <laughs> they're not gonna call me a dirty little boy until I command them to. And, and first there was shame and there was guilt and it was like, ooh, this feels really icky. This person I don't even know is saying this to me and they're saying it in a very real and authentic way. And then after probably about the third or fourth person, the next one that came through, I said, um, give me my prompt. And she said, you're a dirty little boy. And it switched in me. It was like this pain and shame came into this pleasure and arousal. And I was like, what just happened? Okay, thank you. And give me my prompt. Let's try this again. And it, it really transformed something. It alchemized something in me. And that's where now when I say that term or I hear somebody say that, I chuckle or I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's play that game. There's, there's no more of that shame that then I introduce in myself around it. So it was so powerful and so healing that I felt called to then figure out how I could also hold a space for someone to experience that themselves. Well, you took the power back. Yes, taking the power back. We're giving the power away all the time. And really the first step is, is acknowledging, hey, I've been giving this power away all this time. There's probably going to be some anger and frustration there. So let's work with that. Let's pillow pound. Let's do the tantrum. Let's hand scream, do all the things. And then when that's done, it's okay, well then how can I take the power back? What does that look like for me? And then feel that power coming back and then move about, pause. And then open up your field of awareness to what the world looks like when the power has returned. I have this beautiful book. I think it's called The Little Girl with the bag of fucks or something like that I, I don't know but it is so great and it's about how well they're talking about girls but everyone has these baskets that are full of what they call fucks um at the beginning of every day and then as the day goes on this little girl's at school someone says something mean to her so they take away one of her fucks and then something else happens and another one of her fucks goes and one day she just decides I'm not gonna give my fucks to anyone my fucks are gonna stay in the basket. And it's just this really beautiful story. It's a really small little book with beautiful pictures in it. And just about how this little girl's like, no, they're mine. I'm keeping my fucks. And it's just so lovely. <laughs> zero fucks given. That's it. The little girl <laughs> with zero that. fucks. <laughs> um, awesome. And I, I went to one of Lori's classes in Mexico and I loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lori. I love Lori Handler's the Lori Handler. Oh, she was amazing. It, it was an emotional release class, actually, and it was incredible. I I loved her. She awesome. was she was supposed to send us all an email, and no, I don't think anyone received the email. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell Lori. <laughs> you tell Lori. <laughs> Mexico, we're waiting, waiting for her email. <laughs> Is this the Tantra Festival, the recent one. 
Yeah. Okay. Did you go? It was like a couple of years ago. I did not go. Um, I th- she probably has been there a few times. I was going to say if Michael Gibson was there with her as well, her partner. Her partner, he was there. He was. Yeah, they do the Extraordinary Lovers. Um, we, I've been working with them. I'm coming up on getting my Sex and Happiness Coach certification. It's not in my bio yet, though it is um, once coming. I come my capstone project, which is um, an event that I'll be doing here locally on the 22nd. That's my final project piece to then complete it. And the, the work that we've been doing, a lot of it is, this is what I'm sharing with you all is, is come from Lori Handler's book, Sex and Happiness. And uh, it's so powerful, so simple to read. It's like this, all of this information that we should have learned when we were in seventh grade or sooner. And when we do, then we're like, whoa, oh my God, the world looks completely different from here. And we get these childlike, curious wonder eyes. And there's so many people on the other side that are ready to open their arms and hold and support you in the way that you need when you're on that other side, which is what my experience is and what I've seen in in the experience of my clients as well. Johnny, it's been awesome having you on. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure, Becky. And you can find me, listeners, at johnnyvajra.com. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y-V-A-J-R-A.com. And find me on Instagram, johnnyvajra as well. I'm going to post all of that on the show notes page. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Thank you for having me, Becky. It's been a pleasure. 